Welcome to Your Cyber Path, the podcast that helps you get your dream cybersecurity job by sharing the secrets of experienced hiring managers and top cybersecurity professionals with you. Now, on to the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome. This is Your Cyber Path. Uh, my name is Kip Boyle, and I'm here with my co-host, Jason Dion. Hey, Jason. Hey, Kip. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Just came back from a two-week family vacation in Orlando, which was really cool for a number of reasons, not the least of which is uh, that's your new hangout, right? And we got to get together, have some dinner with our families, uh, your chief operations officer, Susan. It was a fantastic time. We got to go to uh, all the, uh, uh, you know, the, the main attractions down there. Uh, it was blazing hot. I can't lie. It was super duper hot. But we had a wonderful, wonderful time. And uh, and your office, you since you're relocating to Orlando, you, you're building out an office, right? How's that going? Yeah, so the office is, uh, the studio's all built out. The desks actually arrived today. Um, so one of our folks at the studio right now collecting all the desks for all the offices. So we should be done by the end of this week um, with getting it all built out. And then uh, early next year, we'll be moving in there full time. Wow. And then you've got a couple of new instructors coming on board. And just sounds like... Um, Oh, and then you got some more people on your uh, support team. You're growing, yep. aren't you? Yeah, we're up to about 23, 24 people right now. Um, we got three instructors on staff right now. We're finishing up Linux Plus. Uh, we just finished up Data Plus, and both those were co-instructor courses. And now we're working on A Plus. Um, so we're just continuing to build out the entire cybersecurity pipeline through CompTIA. Um, so it's 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 been busy. <laughs> Speaking of CompTIA, that's where you're at today recording. You're in Chicago attending a CompTIA conference, right? Yeah, so for those who are watching us on YouTube, uh, you can see behind me, I'm actually in a hotel room. I'm not in my normal studio. Um, and yeah, I'm actually attending the CompTIA Partner Summit that starts tomorrow and um, let's see, Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, and I'm actually speaking on Wednesday about the uh, future of EdTech and and where we are and how this migration through COVID has happened and and what that looks like for a lot of the different tech companies out here that, that are training their employees and what they can do, uh, especially as we move into 2022, 2023, and how that's all gonna change. Because I see some more big changes on the horizon, especially as people are trying to cut costs uh, and increase the ability to train the workforce. Oh man, that's really cool. It just feels like you've got your finger on the pulse of you know what's happening in, uh, in, in ed tech. So um, yeah, well, anyway, I'm looking forward to hearing uh, after you get done there, right? The the major takeaways. You and I are going to be making our new RMF course soon, yes. Uh, which is going to go on to Udemy. Uh, what maybe around November, October? What, what uh, should be around October-ish uh, is when we should be releasing that. And for those who are listening, RMF is the Risk Management Framework. It's the sister course to the uh, the NIST Cybersecurity Framework. Um, so if you work in you know the D and DOD and DOD contracting, you're probably heavily using RMF um, or wanting to get in that world. It's definitely something you should look into. It's one of those things that we've been requested a lot for. Um, so that's what you and I are working on now. Yeah, exactly. And uh, and you know we could make it a D and D episode. I could bring my dice, and you know. <laughs> Roll for initiative. Who knows, right? I might be able Huge to- Huge adventure there. I'll get, more, I'll get more screen time if I can just get those high numbers. <laughs> well, listen. Uh, good. Okay, glad to catch up with you. Uh, today, we're going to uh, talk about somebody who I've known for a couple of years now and who I think his story is so inspiring. Um, his name is Steve McMichael and- uh, I, and I just want to uh, introduce him to our audience because if you want to feel inspired by somebody who said, 
I'm mid-career. I want to transition to cyber. And by golly, I'm going to figure it out one way or the other. Uh, then you need to keep listening to Steve and, and learn his story because uh, he has really done something uh, marvelous for himself. He's done such good work. And, uh, and I, I, I just feel like you folks in our audience should know about his story. So I met Steve in the spring of 2020. He was working in accounting for, uh, for BlackBerry, a publicly traded large company uh, based in Ontario. And he wanted to get into cybersecurity. And that was just when I had started to uh, offer uh, Your Cyber Path, the, the course that, uh, that Jason and I teach now. I just started offering it. And, uh, you know, Steve just, God bless him, he opted in and he's like, I'll, I'll go ahead and give this thing a try. And because I told everybody, I said, this is my beta course. I don't know what I'm doing, you know, but if you want to come along this crazy little journey with me, you know, I'd love to have you. Well, um, <clears throat> so, so that was the spring of 2020. Well, by October, so about six months later, we, we were in a podcast together um, because guess what? He had crossed over into cybersecurity. I'm going to put a link to that podcast episode in the show notes because I think, um, <clears throat> I think uh, he and I do a good job of really you know, describing uh, in detail how he made that transition, what it was like for him. We'll talk a little bit about that today. Um, and so then only like, I guess just two years after I first meet Steve, he sends me a note the other day and I'll summarize the note for you. Hey, Kip, thought I'd just let you know I'm now the boss of my team. I'm the director of governance, risk and compliance for BlackBerry, a large publicly traded uh, enterprise. And I just just I just couldn't tell you how pleased and uh, I was. And I just like, oh, we, we I've just people have got to get to know you. Uh, so, Steve, thank you for agreeing to spend a little bit of time joining us here on the podcast. How are you? Hey, thank you, guys. I'm I'm great. Uh, I've listened to every podcast. I've taken multiple of both of your courses. So I'm I'm super excited to get to talk to you. And uh, <laughs> and, and, and in respect to your summary of my, my email, it was probably like, probably more like I have the privilege of leading an awesome GRC team as opposed to uh, I'm the boss, but, but certainly uh, you've been, you've both been a catalyst to help make that happen and, and happy to, to talk about it. Well, look, I know you're, you're smart enough to understand the nuances of leadership and, you know, how you want to be a servant leader and you want to support your team. I get that. But I'm just telling you, when I saw your email, I was excited. Okay. <laughs> and I was just like, damn, he's the boss. I was so excited for you. You're the boss, right? Like as in the guy in the video game, the big, powerful dude, right? The boss. Anyway, um, so uh, let's get to it. I, I want to cover a few things. Um, and could, could you get, give us like the, the origin story, right? Like where did, where did you get started? Like when did you decide, I want to be in cybersecurity, even though I'm working in, in, account, in accounting? Just kind of give us like the thumbnail sketch of, of, you know, how did you get on the career path that you're on right now? Yeah, you bet. I mean, I, I started uh, in business continuity management uh, for BlackBerry's call centers. So it was uh, business impact assessment, plan, test. I was on call for incident response for this global 24-7 operation. Uh, as I was doing that, I started doing a part-time MBA. I was about uh, four years. And at the end of the four years, I, want, I, did an, I said, uh, I want to get more technical. You know, I've got one of the security domains. I've, an MBA is a mile wide and a foot deep. I'd like to do something technical. And I ended up doing uh, an accounting designation, another four years of night school for that. 
Wow. Now, at that time, I'd thought about getting into information security, but in, in the mid-2000s, the, the understanding I was coming to asking people about it at that time was that um, my profile was a business profile, and it's not a good fit for this technical domain of, of information security. So, you know, you, you busted that myth 15 years later um, <laughs> when we caught up. Uh, but, so then the, the accounting got me into finance. I was in FP&A, that's uh, financial planning and analysis. The forward-looking forecasting, budgeting, making business cases, helping navigate and make decisions. I did a ton of uh, variance analysis scorecards, like in your CSF course and your book. And then uh, one day, uh, a colleague uh, came by. He was leaving the company and he was looking to leave well. And he said, hey, would you be interested in, in backfilling me in, in Sarbanes-Oxley compliance? So that was a, a good opportunity to get some depth or some breadth, uh, breadth and depth. Um, in controllership, scorekeeping, uh, compliance, auditing. It was my first exposure to IT auditing. We got a lot of uh, information systems to protect in, in finance. And I, I think uh, that's probably my first exposure to Dion training because uh, I did the CISA certification. That's a certified information systems auditor. And in, in research, in studying for that, there's a lot of Googling, YouTube, Udemy for the, the CompTIA type uh, uh, skills. That, that, that you want to uh, learn for that. Um, as that's going on, I mean, the industry was just exploding. You guys talk about cost of a breach went from three trillion to six trillion to twenty twenty five. It'll be ten trillion. So, as a person, as a person outside, you can't help but see that in the headlines and, and get curious about it. So, uh, like you said, I was listening to the Insecurity podcast with uh, Matt Stevenson. You were a guest on it. I, I, I signed up for your course, and it was a huge uh, catalyst for me to break through the barriers and, and get in. And for example, didn't know what GRC was. And you explained <laughs> <laughs> what it was. And, um, you know, here, here I am today. So uh, I, I know we have some uh, listeners who may not even understand what GRC is, that governance, risk, and compliance. Can you kind of tell us, you know, what, how do you define GRC and what does that really look like in your company? Yeah, absolutely. And um, so I've been doing it for for two years. So please, as my mentors help me round this out, but you know, here's where I've landed. Also, I, I want to make a quick disclaimer, similar to your Federal Reserve guest views expressed on my own. I'm not a spokesperson for my employer, but so here's, here's how I look at GRC. I'm, I'm into outcome. So what do you get? So when you have good governance, everybody knows the company's objectives and its risk appetite, and they make decisions that are aligned to it. Uh, risk management, so that's about reliably achieving objectives because we have guardrails and due diligence in place. That might sound bureaucratic and slow and full of friction, but the, the fastest cars have the best brakes, right? Um, and then compliance is that we do what we say we do and can prove it. Uh, you could also call that integrity. And you guys have talked about that. It was basically the foundation of everything is, is integrity. Uh, and then we have a service catalog of 11 things that get to those outcomes. Yeah. So, how did I do there? I think you did great. Um, yeah, I mean, when I think about governance, I always think about left and right boundaries, right? Because the, the C-suite, the CEO, and all of those folks, they need to kind of say, hey, here's how we want to run our organization. And that allows the directors in each individual area to be able to run the organization according to the larger vision uh, based on the governance and policies of that organization. Uh, I think you just nailed the nailed it right on on risk for sure um it's all about you know maximizing the outcome and minimizing any risk or uncertainty of doubt 
and compliance, especially for you guys as a publicly traded company, there are rules and regulations that you guys have to do uh, to show that you are doing these controls, that you are protecting your customers' data, that you are, you know, designing your systems properly. Um, and even from the accounting side that you guys, you know, Sarbanes-Oxley, where you started, uh, are doing the right accounting based on this publicly traded company status to make sure the investors are being taken care of as well. Um, so I, I think that's awesome. And, you know, I, I thought it was very interesting when you were um, when Kip told me you were coming on the show because you're coming in from that accounting background in the GRC and that's one of the things we always talk about with you know kind of the the two steppers or mid career transition people is that a lot of people who are coming from bookkeeping or accounting do really well in GRC and they think oh I'm not a cybersecurity person I'm not technical I don't know how to get into cybersecurity it's like well you have all this great skills from doing all this compliance work before go into GRC and a lot of people don't like GRC a lot of people think it's boring it's too much control it's too much paperwork. Um, so there's a lot of positions in GRC that are available. And it's a great entry point into the larger cybersecurity realm. And you can either stay in GRC and move up like you did, uh, or some people want to get more technical and then move over into more of an analyst or a pen tester role. And that's okay too. But I think GRC, especially for people who are you know mid-career already and trying to transition, it's a great place to look. Uh, Kip, what do you think? Yep. Um, <clears throat> first of all, I really enjoy the GRC work that I do with my customers. Um, I, I love the idea of, of setting guardrails, um, talking about risk. Risk is a, is a thing that, that a lot of people just don't understand. They conflate their own personal risk tolerance with the organization's risk tolerance, right? I mean, there's just, there's so, there's so much good work that can be done there. You can, you can really help people figure out how to achieve their goals with, with, uh, with, you know, without taking too much risk. And uh, just, I want to give a plug out too, by the way, uh, a, a couple of months ago, uh, I released a course on, on uh, LinkedIn Learning called uh, IT and Cybersecurity Risk Essentials, which um, poor Jason. <laughs> that you used killed to my course, Jason, Kip. <laughs> Jason's course. <laughs> but there's a whole bunch of like contractual backstory as to why they wanted a new one and why they asked me and so on and so forth. So Jason and I are still friends, even yeah. though my course took his, his course's place. But, um, <clears throat> but listen, if you, uh, if you're curious about GRC, uh, and you have access to LinkedIn learning, go take that course that I just released because I do talk about risk and a little bit of governance and a little bit of compliance, and it'll give you a good introduction. But, um, but I, I, I really enjoy it. And there's so much opportunity, as you said, Jason. Um, but Steve, from your point of view, um, you know, and we, we've already said, you know, some people say GRC is, uh, is, is not a very attractive career source. We think it's underrated. What do you think? Couldn't agree more. <laughs> so I think, um, um, I, and also like in understanding how GRC is underrated, you also need to appreciate, as you guys have explained, how the same job is super different, public, private, big, small, right? Uh, so um, probably like Jason, your experience in the biggest corporation in the world and all of its directors is probably very different than the mine of a, a software company. Um, but but yeah, I think um, I think I think Sarbanes Oxley compliance is underrated, and then I think also it's an underdog story here that the GRC is, is underrated. So um, I. I I, I did kind of give this a lot of thought and kind of listed out my points and I made it a comment on your YouTube uh, channel and I've, I've got them. So it's like, um, number one, we're revenue enabling. That's where you want to be. That's where you can make an impact. Um, 
compliance is based in customer demand. So, you know, my team, we report monthly on these are the customers that want, you know, which, what's their annual contract value. And, and anytime we meet with you to do an audit, like we got to be really clear on what the business case is for, for why we're even talking. So that's just like a good place to make an impact and to drive the business. But like, well, why is it fun? Because uh, some say it's not, right? So um, just going to my points, but it's, it's like you get great depth and breadth uh, of exposure. Um, so I'm throwing out the script, but yeah, the comments are in, in YouTube, right? So <laughs> if, I, if I think about it, I mean, when I wanted to get into compliance, it was because the breadth was really attractive. Uh, you talk about the T-shape and the, the pie shape, right? But it's like, I have an opportunity here to talk to an expert in each domain right across. Mm-hmm. And um, that, that big perspective is something that compliance gets and executives get. So that's a pretty unique thing. You also get access to leadership. So that's, yeah. that's an interesting uh, uh, opportunity as well. Um, business is booming. We need trust and assurance. I think um, coming from the big, heavy, regulated uh, finance, like SOX is 20 years old from the WorldCom, uh, Enron uh, scandals and how we needed uh, compliance to, to shore up those risks so we can have liquidity and capital markets and, and trust. Um, now it's the time for, for cybersecurity to kind of go in a similar place. Customers need assurance and it's, it's how you can deliver it. So you can make an impact. You can get uh, depth and breadth. And, and, and further to your points, Jason, about um, you know, thinking about it, even if you want to get more technical, I, I think it's a great place to do a rotation in and then rotate out. But uh, you're, you're going to get exposure to a lot of uh, great learning and, and opportunities and, and, and ways to stretch yourself and to make a business impact. Yeah, I totally agree with that, especially the the breadth part of it, right? Because as you said, you're touching each and every part of the organization to be able to do that compliance. Um, where I come from in the military world, we used to always say, you know, tactics are for beginners, right? And we talk about tactics, we're talking about hands-on keyboard, you know, actually running scans and things like that. But really that operations and strategy level, that's where, you know, the hard work comes in where you're going across the entire organization and seeing how every part of the business is functioning or every part of the organization is functioning and making sure everybody's going in the same direction to be able to meet all those compliance goals. Um, and it's not just, you know, a checklist on paper, because if you're just doing it for the checklist on paper, you're not getting any benefit out of it. And I, I know, Kip, you talked about this in the in the cybersecurity, uh, NIST cybersecurity framework course. You know, if you're just going down the checklist and say, yep, I did it, okay, move on, you're not going to really get any benefit of cybersecurity out of it. But when you actually look at it from a compliance standpoint and why you're doing it, and to be a business enabler, as you said, in a publicly traded company, you're a revenue enabler. Uh, in, in my world, you know, we are just trying to be a mission enabler, but but both ways are, are enabling the organization to do what it does at a higher level. And that's really where the, you know, that professionals and the operations and strategy comes in versus just the, the hands-on keyboard individual contributor role. You have such a bigger impact because you're touching so much more than the organization, in my opinion. Yeah. And, and, I, and I, it's not just, oh, go ahead, Tip. Go ahead, Steve. I, I, I wanted to take it in a slightly different direction. You wanted to respond. Say something. Well, I, th- I think, um, and it's, it's not just that we're doing the checklist to get the, satisfy the customer. It's, we're focused on adding value. We're focused on reducing our risk footprint. You're coming in and asking good questions. So like coming from, uh, you know, the DOD machinery, like you might not even believe me if I say this, but it's like, I've gone from someone saying, wow. That wasn't so bad. That wasn't so painful to like, hey, I think we actually, you know, improved our risk footprint there to like, hey, I, I, to me saying like, hey, you know, I hope you had a good experience. We had a risk footprint. And they said like, well, Steve, 
actually, that helped me improve the culture on my team. Like this is actually, yeah. right? That's, that's about it too. Like, hey, we have a project coming up. Can you please be involved? So that's a pretty, uh, when you focus on how to do auditing well, um, and it's not a check with it, it's not to waste people's time, it's to optimize use of their time. Um, be brief, be brilliant, be gone. Think about the, what's in it for me, the WIIFM. And you can do that in any compliance discipline. And, and it's, it's fun to win those hearts and minds by just doing a good job adding value. Man, there's so much you're saying that, that is just resonating so strongly with me. I just wanted to just touch on a couple of points. I, I, I appreciate in a GRC role the opportunity just to be closer to how the business makes money. I really, that's just, that's where Kip wants to be, being, uh, you know, working in the bowels of the, uh, of the engine room, uh, pulling levers and pressing buttons in order to make systems work. I just don't find that to be very satisfying. It's, uh, it's, it's very clinical, it's antiseptic, it's disconnected from reality. And quite frankly, when things start, uh, when, you know, if the company starts not doing well and senior leaders start looking around and saying, well, who, who can we live without? Well, you know, that's not a good place to be, in my opinion, right? They, you want to be seen as indispensable, right? And, and so I think that's a good way to do it. Another thing that, that I want to call out is there are a lot of people who come to me and say, Kip, I want to be a chief information security officer one day. Like, that's, that's my career goal. And they're currently working in a very technical role. And so I say to them, well, <clears throat> I hope you don't think that the CISO role is all about technology like a CTO, because it's not. In most cases, you're going to have to figure out the people and the process and the management part of how you make cybersecurity happen. It's not just about technology. And if you don't want to do those things, then you might not want to become a chief information security officer because I don't know how long you're going to last. So you talked about having a rotation at the GRC as, as like a, a, I would call it a career broadening experience, right? In the Air Force, that's sort of, you know, how we would, we would uh, phrase it. So if you're headed for a CISO job, anybody in the audience that's listening right now, and you haven't gone into a GRC role, you really need to rethink that. And I think that's a great way for you to prepare. Um, Jason, any comment about that? Yeah, definitely. You know, I've done a lot of reading on on big companies and and how people get to being in the C-suite, whether that's a CTO, CISO, uh, COO, CEO, whatever. Um, and it's interesting because just like you said in the Air Force, you have these career broadening experiences where you go into different jobs to get uh, experience across a wide breadth of the organization. And it's the same thing. If you want to be the CEO, you probably needed to work in uh, heading up accounting at some point, heading up human resources, heading up sales, heading up marketing, whatever it is. Usually they have three to five of these key areas of the business underneath them by the time they make it to the C-suite. Um, and, and GRC is one of those things that you can do early in your career and really touch a lot of the organization and get that breadth, as Steve said. Um, you know, Steve, I'm curious, what do you think were some of the key success factors in getting established within GRC coming from, you know, the world of finance and accounting? And then, you know, within two years, you became the leader of it. Um, that, that's pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, I think there's like a, a people component there. And then there's the technical skills component. And when I, when I reflect on, I think of that question, um, people comes to mind first, right? So, cause we got a, a fabulous team and the team's been successful. So, um, you know, Jim Collins, good to great. It's old, it's old, uh, business, great book. <laughs> but it's, it, those are, 
those are good principles and they stay on the test of time. So it's like the first thing you need to do is get the right people on the bus in the right seats, right? So uh, I, I came to the team bringing this uh, uh, heavier compliance experience. We recruited, we were fortunate to recruit, flip a co-op student into a full-time uh, software developer. So he's indispensable for his uh, software development uh, technical chops that I aspired to work towards, but I don't, I, I don't have. Um, we've got a, we brought in a, a program manager who's been at the company 20 years and knows everybody and is really good at maturing processes and basically being the tip of the spear for intake and um, reducing friction in the business as we fortify our defenses. So, you know, with respect to the, the bus and its, its seats, three new people, new blood into the team. And then the existing team was uh, very seasoned cybersecurity professionals. And it was, what do you want to start doing, stop doing, keep doing, right? So that we can get good outcomes. So, uh, so, so number one, I'm kind of blown away by the, how the team comes together and gels and, and has a good vibe to get good outcomes. On the, on the technical side, it's like, um, you guys touched on uh, the T shape and then uh, Wes and Kip went really deep on the, the T shape in terms of you got your business acumen and your technical acumen and, and the business people need to go more technical and the technical people need to get more, more business uh, savvy. Um, and, and then take one um, technical domain and go deep on it. So for, for me, that was coming from the IT auditing, the uh, focus on integrity in the CIA triad. Um, I've done four years of uh, change management and access management controls for financial systems. So that's what I kind of latched onto. The same control owners for on the identity team that I worked with in Sarbanes-Oxley were the same ones over here for, for GRC audits and that um, uh, kind of was, was helpful. Um, and then also I think um, a couple of points on the business people getting more technical and the technical people getting more businessy, right? So um, if this were an accounting podcast on accounting career paths, they'd be talking about folks like digital transformation, you need to get more technical. When there's a digital transformation, you're not just doing the same thing you did on paper on a computer, but there's a paradigm shift where everything is different. So continuous learning, upskilling, more technical. There, there's, there's CPAs in Canada getting drone pilots license, licenses to count inventory with drones, <laughs> um, right? And then, and then on the technical side, it's like, hey, there's this issue, there's a static URL. What do we do? And so, and the security engineer says, well, we'll lock it down. It's like, whoa, pump the brakes. Like, can we do a problem statement, alternatives, decision criteria, analysis, recommendation, implementation plans? When you turn it off, who's it going to impact? Right, right. So anyway, so I think there's a lot of that um, um, convergence and, and opportunities for everybody to, to grow. So, so I, I brought the, the auditing right people in the right seats and we we got some we got some good outcomes and we got a good vibe on the team huh yeah that's uh i love the, the kind of the cross-functional uh dimension that you're bringing into this uh and i particularly want to applaud that you said you brought somebody in on your team who has long tenure with the company and and what tell me again who what role uh are they playing the senior program manager, senior program. they do intake, right? You get those executive requests and you need a tip of the spear to, right? Yep. And um, uh, 
due diligence memos for security risk assessments and, and a variety of things. But it's just like process architect, you know, reduce friction. And then now the process is in place and more mature. And now someone else can do it and move on to the next, yeah. uh, add even the service catalog. So I don't, I don't know if you recruited this person for the same reason that, that, uh, that I, I made a similar move. Uh, when I was CISO, but I, I was new to the organization. You're, you're not as new to the organization, to your organization as I was to mine. But I realized that I had a disadvantage because I was working in a high tenure uh, organization. I was kind of the, you know, a baby still when, when I showed up to be their CISO. And and so I I recruited somebody who'd been there for 20 years because like you said, he brought all the relationships and the deep understanding of how things really work, not just what the org chart says or what the process flow diagrams say, you know, but he knew how things really, really worked. And so adding somebody like that to my team really amplified what we could get done because he knew who to go to to get the, uh, the informal agreements that you need to get sometimes in order to, uh, you know, get, get people to agree to, to change the way we, the way we work. Um, so uh, anyway, so I don't know if that's why you did it, but I wanted to bring that out um, because whether you're doing GRC or something else, whatever, whatever, whatever your function is, we all want things to get better. We all want things to improve. We want people to consider doing things differently. And that's, a, that's such a, a relationship-driven uh, thing. And so you, again, if you're gonna be a CISO one day, you, you better understand how relationships work in your organization so that you can take uh, full advantage uh, of that way of, of, of making improvements. Um, Jason, has it, has it been the same for you or different? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a lot of that goes back to soft skills, right? And, and your people skills. And even in, in big bureaucratic organizations like the DOD that I worked in, um, I worked in a couple of areas, in, especially in cyber, that were... Um, relatively new to the DOD and trying to get traditional warfighters who are used to jets and, and, and tanks and ships to understand that, you know, cyber is important and give us some money so we can actually do this thing and build it out. Um, a lot of that was, you know, making that business case of why we should spend taxpayer dollars on that stuff um, and, and getting getting the buy-in because generally it's a zero-sum game. If, if I'm getting a billion dollars in cyber, that means somebody else isn't getting another aircraft carrier or something like that because that billion dollars had to come from somewhere. And a lot of that happens in business as well. And so it is these kind of course trading deals where you're like, okay, we need this thing uh, to do our GRC work. We need three more people. Well, generally, organizations are just going to create three new jobs because that's a lot of salaries. So it may come from a different department or somebody else may be downsized um, so that they can make room for you to have the budget. And those kind of things happen all the time. And I think if you're able to understand that, and, and as Steve said, you know, you got to kind of put what is the bigger vision for the business first and what the outcomes you're trying to achieve, you can get a lot further. The other thing I thought that was really interesting that Steve brought up was the digital transformation. I think a lot of people misunderstand digital transformation with workflow automation. Um, and the, the greatest example I think about this is um, generally like taxi cabs, right? If you know, I was just in New York last week and, um, you know, if I wanted to catch a taxi cab, the traditional old way was you went to a payphone back when those existed, you'd call up the central, you know, number and they would call a taxi over the radio and 20 minutes later somebody would show up at your hotel to pick you up right and then uber came along and they used this great technology but they didn't just do an automation where i could basically text and then it would go through that whole same system um, instead they had this whole transformation using the new technology of gps and smartphones and now when i pull out my phone to call an uber or lyft 
they're there within you know 30 to 60 seconds um, because there's already all these cars that are running around and they already know where you are. You don't have to call them and give them directions. You just say, come get me. And they know exactly where you are. Um, and that was just a complete transformation of that industry. Another great example of that is the US tax system, right? When I was a kid, I had my first job. I had to fill out my 1040EZ form, right? And you actually printed out that you went to the library and you got this piece of paper with the book that explained all the forms and what blocks you had to fill in. And then in the late 90s, there was this thing called TurboTax. And it wasn't just an workflow automation of filling out a PDF of that form in, in a more easy way. Instead, they transformed the whole experience by asking you yes or no questions, making it easy so anybody could do their taxes. And it really just changed that whole industry. Um, so whether you like TurboTax or not, I mean, th they had a huge impact on the way all Americans now do taxes. Um, and that really is what we talk about when we talk about transformation. It's not doing the same things in an automated way. It's doing different things by looking at the process. What are the steps you actually need? And not just simplifying the process, but thinking through what is the best way to do this overall thing to get the outcome that you're looking for. Um, because it's not just doing the same thing faster. It's, it's doing things differently uh, in your organization. And right now we are just in a huge period of transformation. Um, most industries over the last two years because of COVID had to transform. They were forced into it, even if they were dragging their feet and, and, and dragging their feet, excuse me. Uh, <laughs> and, and um, you know, and, and it has changed a lot of the way that we are working. So I, I see a lot of that. Um, and the other thing that I thought was really interesting, especially about Steve's journey is um, he doesn't have a master's degree in IT or cybersecurity, right? Um, his master's degree was in MBA, Master of Business Administration, and then he went back and got an accounting master's degree. Um, and he didn't have to go back and get another master's degree and go back to college to go get into cybersecurity. Instead, he used his existing skills, he used his existing degree, and he got something that was a relevant um, transition step, which is the Certified Information Systems Auditor. And for most people, if you, if you haven't looked at certification, I, I think almost everybody I know who's gotten that certification was an accounting background type person. Um, so even though it's an, it, it is an IT or cybersecurity type certification, that auditing role really is usually done by accountants and bookkeepers. Um, I, I have a friend, he's in cybersecurity and his wife was an accounting uh, uh, person. She worked for a large fortune, a 100 company that does audits uh, for all Sarbanes compliance and things like that. Um, and she went and got her CISA and she had to learn all the tech stuff to be able to pass that exam because she came from the accounting world, not the tech world, but now she does that for a living, uh, similar similar to the way that, that Steve did. And I think that, you know, this goes back to transferable skills, figuring out where you are, what are the closest, um, there's a great book called 40 Days to the Work You Love. And he talks about, you know, you grab the flowers that are closest to you and you go, okay, what skills do I have now? What jobs can fit those skills that I would love? Um, and I think that's what, what Steve did here as, as he went through from his accounting transition into this GRC role. Oh, um, I, 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 as we wrap up the episode, you know, I just want to, uh, to commend Steve again for, for what he's been able to accomplish. I hope that people in the audience are going to be, uh, inspired by what he's done. <clears throat> and, uh, one more thing that I want to talk about, because you, you mentioned transferable skills and early on in the episode, Jason, you mentioned a two-step, right? So I don't know, Steve, if you're planning <clears throat> to use your current position uh, to make another step towards a more technical role. And you don't have to say either way if you're going to, but I want to make a point, which is, uh, Steve, you now have people on your team who are technical and you have access to lots and lots of other people who are very technically oriented with lots of tech skills. I would think, and I want you to, this is, this is something I want you to answer for me, but I would think that if you wanted to move again to a more technical role, you would have so many people available to mentor you and to help you make that transition that uh, that that it, it it's possible. I mean, now again, so whether you're planning to do that or not, what do you think about 
about my observation that the that where you're at right now, you would have all these people supporting you if you wanted to. Yeah, totally. I think um, when, when you're a compliance, you're in the second line of defense in the three lines of defense uh, uh, governance framework. Mm -hmm. The control owners own the controls and they are soup to nuts. Everything in your NIST CSF identity, you know, asset, you know, everything, right? So, so certainly we partner closely with the uh, architecture team, the SOC, the systems team, everyone under the, the IT uh, organization. Mm -hmm. And you own the control, it's your technical skill, but, but I'm gonna make, uh, I, I help you because I make, I remove the friction and make it less painless, right? To go through the, the compliance process. And by the way, we're adding value, mitigating risk and getting the revenue. But then you're helping me because I just have this exposure to uh, fabulous, exciting knowledge about cybersecurity that I'm trying to absorb as much as I can. And I'm like a, a kid in a candy store, right? So, <laughs> but, so I want to keep uh, serving up. I'm, I'm watching uh, Jason on Udemy all the time. Um, I, and then with my team, it's like, where do you want to go and how do you want to get there with this great uh, online learning uh, stuff that's out there? And then, yeah, in terms of, I haven't planned a, a next step. I'm just so happy in my, my current one. Um, but certainly the relationships and the skills and the continuous learning um, make me feel in a, a pretty happy spot because there's a lot of different uh, ways to go from this point in the path into, into many more. Yeah, but that's yeah, and I, I think even with you know Steve's background coming from the business world, the accounting world, with his, his current certifications and his current role, you know he's on track for you know a traditional CISO type position in the future as well, yeah. uh, if he desires to get there uh, at some point, um, because he's getting all those skills and getting that breadth and depth across the organization as well, um, and, and coming from a very large organization he could easily move into some one of those type of roles in either his organization or another organization over the next you know five to 10 years um, because he's building up that foundational knowledge and framework that he really needs to have to be able to do that job successfully. Because it's, yep. uh, as you said, it, CISO is not necessarily a technical job. It is a lot of people and processes and business and compliance. And it's all that stuff that Steve's doing currently. Uh, yeah. So Steve, I don't know if you realize that Jason and I think you're on the CISO track, but you are. So, you know, uh, that would be a wonderful next place for you to go. And what I particularly like about uh, about you being on that track, if you wanted to take advantage of it, is you, because you don't come in with a deep technical background, you probably won't feel the temptation that a lot of people feel when they come in with a deep technical background where they can't keep their hands off the keyboard. Right, they're just constantly <laughs> to get in there and and twiddle the keys, and they're robbing their people of development opportunities. They're not doing the essential things that only they can do. It's just it's it's a it's an anti-pattern. It's really dysfunctional, and um, and I don't I don't think you're gonna you're gonna fall into that trap. Okay, so uh, I could. I could talk about Steve and, and all that he's done and the lessons that everybody could learn from him for a long time, but I think we're done for this episode. So, uh, Jason, you want to uh, wrap it up for us? Certainly. Uh, you know, I want to thank Steve for for sharing his time. I know he's super busy guy uh, running the GRC team over there uh, up in Canada. Um, and, and I really appreciate him coming out here today. Uh, it was great to be able to talk to him and kind of figure out what things our audience can learn. And I think a lot of the key takeaways are, you know, GRC is a great role to get into in cybersecurity. So definitely look into that. Uh, if you're not already in cybersecurity and you're trying to make the switch, 
Uh, if you come from another background, look at what your current skills are and you'll be able to use that to get yourself into a role instead of having to start all the way at the bottom as a junior SOC analyst or something like that. Um, it's a lot easier to, to get in because you have experience. You you just may not realize you already have that experience. So look at your current skills and see what's, what's relatable. And then remember, you don't always have to go back to college to go get another degree in cybersecurity or IT to be able to get a job. Um, you know, most places, once you have a college degree, that's usually sufficient for them. Uh, and then it's more about, you know, getting those little certifications to, to show that you have knowledge in that particular area. And that's, that's exactly what Steve did as well with the CISA. Um, so, so keep all that in mind. Um, that said, you know, thank you for joining us again for another episode of Your Cyber Path. And we're going to see you next time. Uh, so we'll see you at yourcyberpath.com. Thanks. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Your Cyber Path. Don't miss an episode. Press the subscribe button now. If you would like to learn more about how to get your dream cybersecurity job, then be sure to visit yourcyberpath.com, where you can access the show notes, search the archive of our top tips and tricks, and discover some fantastic bonus content.